Welcome to today's episode of Fire in the Belly. This is where we get to hear some pretty inspiring stories from some amazing people. You know, it's always an absolute pleasure to sit down, take time out and have a warts and all conversation about their journey. I'm always intrigued by what it's taken for people to get to where they are today. And hopefully in this interview, we get to hear some more about that. From this, my mission is to help people to find their own fire in their belly. And from that, to live the mightiest version of you. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy today's guest. Success is a process, not an event. Hello and welcome to Fire in the Belly. Today we have myself, Mighty Pete, and we're joined by the Patricia Breslin. Good afternoon to you. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Good afternoon, Pete. I'm glad to be here and thank you for having me. Great to have you here and uh, give a bit of background. I know Patricia sort of over really the last probably couple of years now. Um, time and space is all bit up and down these days with uh, pandemics and one thing or another. But um, you have an amazing backstory, so I'm looking forward to hearing this. So why not give us a bit of background? So who are you, what do you do, and where are you from? Okay, I'm Trisha Breslin. I'm a single parent of six amazing children and 11 beautiful grandchildren. <laughs> and I have a background of um, hairdressing for 40 plus years. And um, I always knew there was something within me that needed to come out, but I never knew what it was. So uh, my background was, I've come from a family of nine um, and my mum and dad. And I always loved the way my mother and father had their relationship because um, they always communicated and there's lots of hugs and lots of kisses. And when I was a young children, child, I thought to myself, that's the kind of relationship I want to have. But unfortunately that wasn't meant to be. Um, and it wasn't until two years ago, but I'm not going to fast forward that quick just yet. I was very introvert, very quiet, very shy. Um, I was good at school and I loved swimming. But um, my whole self-confidence, self-worth was, was literally nothing. And I got bullied at school about my body image. I was never fat and I was never skinny, but I had this, oh, I could slagged a lot about my body image, um, which led me to an eating disorder for many, many years, right up until my adulthood. And my mommy, I know when I look back on it, she probably didn't mean she used to call me stupid. And that had a major impact on me as well, that I always thought I wasn't good enough. And I was a middle child and I always thought I got the second best in hand-me-downs. So um got into the hairdressing role and then um, met my first husband and I I just wanted somebody to love me and look after me, which um I thought he was the one. But unfortunately that relationship um I had five amazing children out of it, but it was just total mental torture, mental torture. Um and loving through that was um really, really soul destroying. It took me to a level that I was nearly on my knees. I couldn't move. I wasn't allowed to go out anywhere. I wasn't allowed to wear what I wanted. Um, it was just total controlling. And I knew the, the marriage um, wasn't good for me, but having the children it was hard to leave with five children. But um, before the marriage ended, I sought a lot of help got a lot of counselling and had the courage to leave and go into a refuge with four out of my five children. My eldest son wouldn't come with me. He was only 13. At the time, 
So we went into a refuge and I was, we were on there for 11 months and um, my coping mechanism was drink. So I started to drink after that relationship broke down. But going back in my early years, um, my teenage years, I probably would look back, I had a problem with drink then because my mum and my daddy took me to a counsellor, but I never spoke. Um, and they sort of had that understanding that, that I wouldn't open up. And then in that marriage too, I never had, had a voice because he controlled everything. And then if I spoke, there was always something wrong. or So I just never spoke, I shut up. Um, so that marriage continued for 13 years until I went under refuge. And then um, that's where my drinking spiraled. After that, I just used drink for coping. I went out a lot to think, um, who's going to take me with five children? No, I still crave for that. I always say I'll crave that love that my father had towards my mother. I crave for wanting that love. Um, and I'm sad to say that my children didn't really come under it. It was a, I was focusing more about me than them, um, which I'm not. I'm ashamed to say that, but that's where I was at at the time. So after that, then um, I fell into another relationship, um, thinking again that was love. But that was just ended up a drinking relationship. I ended up getting married. I had my sixth child, and there was uh, physical violence in that relationship. And thinking again, all my self worth, I had no worth. I failed in another marriage. I failed as a mother. All um, guilt, shame, and fears all was within me. But I still, as I say, there was still just something within me knew that there was something there that needed to come out, but I didn't. I still didn't know what it was. So after that marriage broke down, I went into more drinking relationships. And um, when I look back to, you know, they say drinking is crafty, cunning, and baffling. I look back now and see how crafty I was. I planged on a man that had money and could buy me drink. And because I was in benefits, I couldn't afford to have my drinking habit. And they always bought me drink and always got me a bottle of wine going home. Um, until it came to the stage that um, my youngest child, all of the rest of my children were had left home. Um, my youngest child was in and out she didn't want to be with me through my drinking and I realized I I knew I couldn't live on without my children that was one of my things that and I knew what it, I knew for years that I didn't want this life but I didn't know how to get out of it I didn't know how to get out of this lifestyle habit and then I none of my family would ask me to celebrations I had no friends and then the bottle became my best friend Unfortunately, until then, um, there was one day I became suicidal. I didn't want to love anymore. And I had been in touch with AA before, but never really got on it. and reached out to an AA person and he saved my life. More or less, um, he got me the doctors, got me liver in. I went to AA. Um, I continued with AA. I, but I still had relapses. I would have got sober for four months, seven months, 
And all I wanted to do was get sober for a year and still couldn't get it. Um, and But I still wouldn't give up because I remember, and I always have this vision in my head, and me and my daughter talk about it, that she was standing in the flat crying, and I says, um, I don't want to be this type of person. And I said, you can give up me, but I'm not giving up me. I knew there was something that, I knew there was a strength in me that I could could, could get it eventually. Um, so eventually I got it four and a half years ago and haven't had a drink since and don't intend to have a drink since either. Um, and my life has just turned around. Um, I started working on myself. I've done a lot of self-help. Stayed in AA, um, stayed around like-minded people, um, and still still searching for that piece of me that was missing. And I knew there was something. Um, and then with a hairdressing, I thought I wanted to become a makeup artist along with the hair. So I did a makeup degree, but I love makeup. I don't like doing anybody. And then I went on the um, a network marketing health, um, Arbonne, you called it. And... Because I, I do they keep myself well and healthy and I thought, right, this is it now too. But I still wasn't I still wasn't getting it for me. Until then, somebody suggested RTT, hypnotherapy. So two years ago, I did the course. I am a hypnotherapist. But do I want to be a hypnotherapist? No. But it has given me the umbrella to do what I want to do. Because... The fact of the hypnotherapy is it's all about the mind. And I'm so intrigued about how our mind works. And I've studied a lot on trauma. Gabor Matty, uh, I love him. He's the man of addiction. And he's true in what he says. He says, when people are addicted, he says, we feel that the world is a horrible, hostile place to be in. And that's through childhood. And that's where my jigsaw got completed, me doing my RTT, because I didn't realize that I did have a childhood trauma, but I suppressed it for years. But I I, I didn't come out uh, and talk about it. It was 35, but I still kept, there was nothing done about it, but I just still kept going on living and still didn't realize that that trauma had the impact on my whole life. Until then, I'd done that course in hypnotherapy that I realized that my childhood trauma had the major impact on my whole life. And that's where I can turn around and say my jigsaw is complete. And I've done, I'm still continue healing within and learning who Trisha really is. Because Trisha got lost so much along the way. She didn't know who she was. And that's a really important point. I mean, so roughly, I mean, the childhood trauma to when you actually sort of uncovered it or discovered it, I mean, What's what's a period of time are we talking? Well, sixty nine, what twenty five years, and the only came out that I went to a counselor after my first marriage broke down, and the way they operated then, they were doing like a family tree, and the counselor says to me, Trisha, did your father harm you in any way? She triggered that there was something, and this we know my father is the best man because I idolize my daddy, and she says, well, I can pick up something, and that's when I said about my my abuse at 10 years age and but I never ever dealt with it um but I did go to a place where to get to deal with it but I still but I've but I've always been on a journey of personal development I've always been growing and if I wasn't I've always 
been in communities like women's groups. I did a counseling degree myself 14 years ago, Pearson Centre Counseling. I got that degree, but um, I stopped it because I was counseling a man with drink alcohol and I was drinking myself and I felt like a hypocrite. So I, I took myself away and I went to the manager and, says, and he knew of my drinking and I says, I can't help somebody else if I can't help myself. So I removed myself to get myself well and that's what I did. And that's when I started in the journey then of trying to get myself well, even even though the relapses happened, the relapses happened for a reason. I do believe that. Um, and I think it's for me, you have to really heal yourself within to free yourself. You really do. It's always interesting, you know, the one experience that we go through, but two that actually it's it's both our strength and our weakness. You know, sometimes you're you know, your weakest point is your strongest point because you recognize it, but also then it's also the thing that is potentially likely to be a point of vulnerability. So it's interesting, you, one, that you were there to help others, but then also recognizing that it still was a work in progress for yourself, right? Yeah, definitely. Because I just, as I say, felt a total hypocrite. And um, because there was one, one the other man, it was, he was going to Woodley House, and uh, that's a treatment center. And I had an appointment the following week to go to Woodley House. And I thought, oh my God, how, what if we bumped into each other? You know, so, and this way, and I'm supposed to be the concert helping him. And I'm, I'm along the same path, although it's not the same, but it's, they say, don't compare, identify. And so I said, I have to remove myself and get myself well, you know, because it wouldn't have been fair in him. It wouldn't be fair in anybody else, me still drinking, you know, and trying to help somebody else when I'm doing the same myself. So that doesn't align with what I was doing. So it wasn't fair on the clients as well. So I removed myself. Let's let's start in. I mean, what 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 does fire in the belly mean to you, Patricia? Fire in the belly in me for me now is helping people. Um I'm gonna say women because this is my new niche now. Um as I said, I call myself now a woman of substance. Where a woman of substance is um, very intelligent, um, smart, makes decisions very easily, um, has true self-love in herself. She's grace and she's got class. Where for for me, being in a toxic life, I want to help women that have come through toxic lives to success. And success could mean anything as little as even having to get out of a relationship as even as little they even improve themselves even having they still live in you know dysfunctional family or relationship it's even some as little as that and success could mean to for anything else as high as they want to become that's, that's funny to say, as little as that i mean but that little is you how common do you think this is how many people do you know i'm not looking at statistics or numbers but do you think it's one of those things that once you start to look it's it's unfortunately it's a, it's a lot more common than you might think it definitely is because I, I just feel now because I'm doing this work and, and I do talk to a lot of people and um, everybody's issues, you know, and I did a 12 week program there in January for women's aid, um, co-facilitating and I just get on there by chance. I was just talking about what I was doing and then I was offered a facilitating um, course to, to present, which was brilliant. And it's, you just don't have to be in a domestic violence relationship be in a toxic life you know or have a toxic life um and everybody's issues everybody you know um so it's just not being in 
have a label of something. You, for me, it's it's um, as you say, as big as a person feels it is for them. To, to help them to get where they want to be, that's what I want to do. You know, because um, my my heart goes out to women now that are are going through that because of I, I can understand their pain. I would have empathy. I um, but wouldn't have any judgment on anybody today because nobody knows what anyone's going through in life. Nobody. And I was one of those ones that had the mask because everybody's because I always still kept myself well on the outside and everybody couldn't believe that what I was going through. But I always say I could be dying inside, but I wouldn't let it show on the outside. So there's many as a person out there holding that mask. Definitely. And that's exhausting, isn't it? Trying to, you know, say one thing or act one thing and be another, right? That's just incredibly time and energy consuming. People don't always get, right? Yeah. And I feel too, but you no, know, if, if you have families too, especially, you have to keep that going for them and that energy going and trying to keep them in a you no know, safe, sort of happy uh, family life. And that for me was very difficult, very difficult. Um, when they were when they were young before left the first marriage, that was very difficult. I just um, I just kept just doing what I had to do as a mummy. I don't I didn't even think about myself at that time. Well, what have you learned about yourself? I've learned that I am a lovely human being, and I totally love myself, and I deserve everything the best in life. Um, I have seen the world at a, in a different view. You know, as I said before, where Gary Mises, when people go through addiction, they feel it a horrible, hostile place. But for me, the world's a beautiful place. Um, there's so much love and joy. And I feel that I present that now to my children. You know, I have so much love and joy for them. I even have more, I get more quality time with my grandchildren now, which is amazing. Um, I, I just, I just really... I, more, I just love, love, I love Patricia who she is, who she's become, because I feel it's the Patricia that was there when she was 10. You know, I feel too, when you do the inner child work too, that little child is screaming out to come out. And and when I look back, I that feeling I've always had that there was something within me is coming out now. It was always here. It was always there, that strength and that resilience and capacity to, to love other people and help people because I feel now I've I found my purpose in life and I know this is my purpose in life but um, I'm so grateful I've gratitude every day because there's people still living in these circumstances which I am so grateful that I've able to, to grow and move on and as I said I've as you know I've done a TED talk and on my TED talk I says God give me a special gift a voice and a voice I will share. So that's my purpose. I mean, in hindsight, do you think have these things happened for you or to you? Do you I mean do you have a perspective? I think they've happened for me. I have no I have no regrets. No, this is the person I am today. I have so much forgiveness. I don't hit any of my ex partners or any person that has done me harm because I have done harm myself and still have a man's mimic with other people, which have a man's made with some. Um because I realize we don't come on this word. I didn't come on this word to be an alcoholic. Uh, life happened to me. 
um, maybe I'll contradict myself if I want to say that, but um, life happened and that's how I chose my path or chose to um, cope. Um, I can't take back my past. Um, I can only grow now from here on in and just have a better quality of life. And I, I'll always be learning because the two years of COVID, that's all I did was study. I studied the hypnotherapy, I studied myself and I've done, I'm still studying myself and learning the value of each and every one of us has. We all have a gift and it's each and every, and it's the world and society has people who they are, you know, without them even realizing, you know, how they've become a certain type of person, you know, or maybe a person, you no, know, like addiction, you no, know, nobody comes in this world, they addicted, I feel anyway. Interesting to say, you know, almost the, the self-contradiction, but it's not really, is because it's a change in perspective, it's a change in reflection, change in wisdom, isn't it? The fact that, you know, before it's like, oh, per me, and then after that, it's like, actually, no, this is for me, right? So that is one of those things of just, I think it's, it, Perspective, wisdom, reflection, oh, attitude, right? The attitude change. But as I'm saying, I just, I just get up every day and be so grateful, so so grateful that. Uh, and people say to me, "Do I even think and drink and now? No, because and this me, and how do how can I go out and the way the way I've turned you no know, because I'm on the subconscious mind and stuff like that. Drink doesn't come into my head. I'm not obsessed with it. It's totally gone. And the way I look at it, this is my lifestyle now. This is my life without drink. So drink doesn't even come into my equation. Doesn't even come into my dictionary anymore. So this is my lifestyle and this is how I want to live. And that's how I learn to live in a sober life. Funny how almost other people almost have a problem with you not drinking yourself, if you know what I mean. It's like, you know, it's like an you know, how does that feel and why are you not drinking and how do you stop yourself drinking and all that? Like, I was going to say, it's probably not a healthy reminder, but at the same time, it's you've also got to be prepared for that too, right? Because, you know, people are either curious, rightly or wrongly, right? So it's going to test your, going to test your metal. Really. And at the end of the day, as people you know, some people don't know, it doesn't matter what addiction it is. The drink for me was only the solution. It wasn't the problem. The problem was lying underneath, and that's the majority of. Well, I feel it's it is all about addictions. There's there's an underlying problem. You know, even people with food, it's not about the food, it's something else. You know, and that's what I learned in the the uh, no the Marissa Peer hypnotherapy. She dealt with every addiction, and it's every addiction that wasn't the problem, it was a solution. But the problem always lay underneath. For each and every one of them. And and for people that maybe aren't used to that sort of language or that approach, I mean, what's what's that about? I mean, are we are we trying to inflict pain on ourselves? You know, what what is achieved by this taking on this addiction? When we self-sabotage, it's not intentionally. For me, it would be a coping, it's it's coping. It's uh, our addictions are coping mechanisms. Um and it all comes down to we're not good enough. We feel as people we're not good, we're not good enough. That's where the majority part lies that we're not good enough to be in this life of of an experience that of trauma or of some kind that had stemmed from childhood or 
from a family member or teacher or something along the way has um, gave us that impact of feeling not good enough. I mean, there's, as you say, that sort of coping with, but it's a situation that's maybe outside of our normal thinking process or our normal parameters that your body has either kept locked away or put to one side to, for self-preservation, right? You know, sort of saying, well, you know, we need to get on with our lives or whatever. And then it's that bit that's locked away. And as long as it's locked away, you can't be whole. For you, I mean, you know, and you mentioned that instant previously. I mean, and for you was was that almost the turning point where you sort of the one became two, the, the Patricia that was became the Patricia that was there, but also the Patricia that was also kept to one side in the part of you. What was that the key element for you? Just the, the two parts of you came into existence? Yeah, because yeah, because for me, the the Patricia the drinker was not me. I, and and I always say that to the people that do you have addictions? Um, it's not about the person. No, that, that that's two people. The person that they really are are beautiful human beings. It is. It's the it's the drink or substance, whatever they use. That's the other part of them. Um, but for me, that's I mean. Trisha's drinker was never the person that I wanted to be. I hated myself. I really did. I loathed myself. Um, and that's part that I had to remove to get better. I had to find out why I was drinking, what was what 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 feelings, what behaviors, what actions, everything I was taking that kept driving drive, triggers that kept driving me to drink. And I feel sometimes it just became a habit. And near near the end too, because everybody didn't want to know me, I was every weekend then because my children that bit bigger, there was nobody in the house at the weekends. And I just, I drank the whole weekend to fill up my weekend because I didn't want to be on my own. And that's sad, but that was the reality of it. I I drank to get over them two days, not ha having to deal with it. I find it so fascinating, despite us doing habits that are self-sabotaging, like we do it because you know, there's a part of you chooses it, but also the fact that the other part of you hates yourself for doing it. It sounds, I mean, when you say it out loud, right, it sounds crazy talk. It's like, why would you do such a thing? But yet it happens. Which, and you're right, addiction of substances, addiction to behaviors, addiction to whatever. Same with trauma. Trauma is, you know, people think trauma has to be something major. I think trauma doesn't have to be at all. No, no, definitely not. And I know even to, you know, like two years ago, my mommy died and I, me and Miller's sister, and uh, we looked after her because of COVID with only two of us. And then my dog died there at Christmas and I'm totally on my own. And it has been hard for me because it's because well, when I'm on the outside world, you're engaging with people and having a crack. See them when I come through my door, that loneliness still hits me today. And, and I'm still even going through that phase of grief and no having that loneliness, but thank God I don't have to have to drink to, to get through my days. You know, I don't even know, as I say, I do studying. I'm on the, a lot of study work and trying to get myself up now and running to find my own way now and the world now with this uh, woman of substance at the moment. What is it for you? I mean, that sounds like a real drive for you to have the focus, the commitment, the decision to actually continue training and all that. I mean, where does that come from? I, I, I just feel because I have been through all that past experiences 
and now I've come through it. I just feel I have I feel of so much to offer people now, um, to give them the tools, but at the same time, you no, know, my tools mightn't be what they need, but at least you know, as I always say, don't compare, identify. But we, they can find their way, but it's me helping them to find their way, what's best for them. And I have to say, it's taken me a good few years to find my real way. And as I said to you before we come on, like I was focusing on asking all people, what should I do? Ask for advice. And I was, I, I, my head was overwhelmed. And I kept, I, there was many times a day I thought to myself, what are you doing? You know, there's times I wanted to give up, but the drive and the passion within me won't give up because I know this is what I, I I'm set out to do. I know that. You know, and I have that real passion and drive that this is this is what Trisha has to do. I mean that that question, I mean, is was there a question or something that you were asking yourself when saying, you know, it's like I find myself doing these things, I find myself asking other people what I should do, but yet keep coming back to me. Part of me says this is not right or this is not who I am or something. I mean I mean, is there a good question you can ask yourself or is there a good sort of a really exercise or something you can do to help you sort of say, is this for me genuine? Is, is this my decision? Is it someone else's decision? You know, what's your thoughts there? Yeah, when I was asking for, well, and I think it was my own insecurities, my own self-doubt of my own self-doubt, if that makes sense. And then, um, and because I've been reading a lot and, and honing in, I, I do I'm a habit of honing into myself and staying quiet. And having them to ask, what is it I really want? What do what do I feel is my purpose in life? And I I kept going through that, I kept going through that statement for a, a while uh, until the penny dropped. And as I said before, if this woman of substance has been my thought in my head since last year, and I never ran with it because of my own self doubts and thinking other people would have had a better, but advice to give me or Maybe I'm, it wasn't going to work or anything else, but because I've been doing the work on intuition this last few weeks, I just push a go with what feels best for you. And this, and I just went, right, this is it. Yeah. And I just feel, I can't wait to get it started. How, how good are you listening to yourself? I'm not pretty good. I talk a lot to myself. <laughs> and even in situations, I would say, what enhances what is this going to enhance my life or is it not going to be enhanced my life you know um I'm, I'm quite i'm quite good at that now you know and even it has to still be well even for a relationship so to speak um i went out with somebody not so long ago lovely man whatever and but i wasn't feeling it and rather than keep prolonging i i just ended it because it I couldn't, it wasn't enhancing me. So the old Patricia might have stayed on a bit longer to stop that loneliness. But I think I'm past that. I can stand on my own two feet now. I can be with myself. And yes, there is times there's a lot of loneliness, but I have tools and things to, to get me through that. So um, I'm, I'm saying I'm the best place ever in my life. Have you been this version of you before, do you think? Um, I wouldn't say as passionate as driven. I think, you know, people have seen something in me, even when I was working on hairdress and stuff, they, they've seen things in me, but because of my own insecurities, I, I had, a, I always had back 
in the background. I never put myself forward, you know, and even the same my TED talk, I never spoke for 40 years and never had a voice. Um, but now my voice will be heard. <laughs> do, you, do you recognize yourself in some ways? I mean, is it, you know, when your voice, you talk about that voice, I mean, do you, do you hear yourself speaking? Do you recognize who you are, who you could be, or is that something you always have to let blossom as well? Uh, sometimes I have to pinch myself. You know, when you look back on even last year, I've totally changed. And I'm, I feel I'm evolving because I'm an, uh, around like-minded people. And I choose to stay around people. And even where I want to go through this journey, um, I ask like-minded people or even go on onto YouTube and find out you know, how other people have got and get a wee bit of what how they made it. You know, although I have to go on my own journey, but you still get wee tools and skills to. Um, but I think it's, for me personally, it, you have to really love yourself. To me, that's, I've always said that. You have to be your true authentic self. Is that, I mean, do you, do you like yourself? Do you love yourself now? There's days I could look in the mirror and different things, but overall, yeah, I, I do. And, uh, and people look at me when I say it, but it's not, there's definitely no ego behind it because I've come a long way, you know, and when people would say to me, you've come a long way. I, t I take pride in that today. I don't hide behind it and go, you know, but, I, but I've put a lot of work into myself. I have really, really worked hard on myself. I have, and I've enjoyed. It's been a lot of pain, um, but at the same time, um, if you have to go through that pain to be happy, it's worth it. Rather than go through years and years of pain with alcohol or mental torture, whatever relationship I was in, to keep going through that pain for the rest of my days, no. So many people, I mean, one, they don't see the amount of work that goes in, or two, they the, the question, the, the, the reasons or the question, the actual benefits of doing it, right? So, I mean, you also have to fight that too. You have to, you know, your decisions, your motivations are also questioned, right? How do you stay focused at those times? First days I get up in the morning think, oh, don't know. But it's, I, I always say to myself, I think recently too, is um, how do I see my future self? And that gives me the drive because I know where I want to go. On this journey, my next part of the journey, I know where I want to go. And if I'm going to sit back and do nothing, it's not going to happen. So that gets me up in the mornings. That gives me the drive. That's what gets me posting on my social media. That's what gets me um, networking with people. That gets me reading a book, doing my gratitudes, learning, um, meditations. As I'm, I meditations at night, just. I've just I've just learned so much, learned so much. I was gonna say, what are what are your daily habits now? I mean, you, men you mentioned meditations, eh? visualizations. I mean, what? Well, I get up in the morning. I'm on two book club mornings, and I'm on three study group mornings. So there's five mornings a week. It's up at six o'clock in the morning. Then I do my gratitude. Um, some mornings I do a breath work. Is on at seven in the morning, and do my journaling, and then get my breakfast and then start my social media posts and then have to do a bit of networking. It does take a lot of work. You know, if somebody told me the work I have to do, I wouldn't have believed it, you know, but it is a lot of work. But I think because that passion drives there, sometimes it doesn't feel like work. 
that makes sense. I think uh, even when I was doing hairdressing, to me, hairdressing wasn't like work because I was out socially and amongst people and having the fun. And even doing this work, you know, even doing that 12-week course with Women's Aid, to me, it wasn't work because you were interacting with the women, you were supporting them, and you see, I seen the growth in them week by week. You seen their growth, and that that gives you so much. Um, it, it just gives you so much reassurance that you're you're helping other people. You know, so for me, this kind of work is not like work. Do you recognise that? Because I mean, hairdressing is one of those things. I mean, some random people say you know people will share more with their hairdressing than they will with their partners right i mean yeah that's true <laughs> <laughs> but i think it was because i, I love hairdressing and I'll, I'll still do it but i think it was because i was looking further ahead as i get older i don't want to be standing my feet all day i'll probably get ailments and stuff like that there but as i keep saying to you all along i always knew there was something within me that had to come out and I always said that I never knew what it was, but I think I, then after I realized then I, I didn't want to do the hairdressing, I was reaching for something else over the last three, four years. And even after the, even after doing the makeup academy and paying for it, you no know, people would have says give up, but I just couldn't give up. There was, there was that something to me, I couldn't give up and then done the Arbonne and I think, no, I couldn't give up. And sometimes I said to myself, geez, Trisha, the amount of money you're paying out. But there, I just knew that there was something there that just keep going. And I had the faith. Faith is a big thing for me as well. Faith. I had the faith in myself to keep going, to find what I needed. For you, is that faith in you? Is that faith in a higher power? What, what is that faith? Yeah, my faith would be in God, well, and people, higher power, source, the universe. Yeah. Um, I think I took that off my mummy because my mummy always had faith, and um, she had faith in me, and and even through my drinking, I had faith in me. I'd still have faith that um, I knew at some stage, I knew I wanted out of that, but didn't know. But I always believe that God got me out of it, and then I always say too that God got me sober to look after my mother before she died. So that was a major grat gratitude for me. So I believe in that. That's a big change, right? To be able to be of service to other people, you know, to, to get your own head straight, to get your own house in order. And, you know, is, is that a purpose for you, do you think? I mean, that, that ability that one, once we've worked on ourselves and two, you know, then we can then use that as a stepping stone to help others. Oh, most definitely. Because when, when I was going through my situations, there was always somebody there to help me, to reach out to. There was always somebody there. So why not give it back? No, I could still carry on with my life and do everyday life, but I don't want to. I want to give back to society. And I do feel I was called to have a purpose. I do believe that. What did, what did you originally want to do when you grew up? What was the original plan back in the day? I, I, I don't know. I, I really, when I'm growing up, I was, I was good at school and things got there. And it was my daddy seeing me working with dolls. <laughs> Hair, it was him got me in the hair. I just loved the hairdressing anyway. So the hair, but I just, um, but I think after my first marriage broke down, I was always going on the um, women's centres and doing wee courses and things. And I think that's where it started developing different things, but not as in depth as I have been over the last couple of years. I think since I got sober, I've been more in depth of finding out um, about addictions, about trauma, 
I, I wanted to know why, you know, why do we pick up a drink? Why do we go through traumas? And that's where my curiosity brought me to where I am, you know, and how our minds work. I, I love the, the Joe Dispenza. I love him. Um, and Tony Robbins, I, lo I love them type of people. And that's one of my goals is to be a transformational speaker. I mean, do you, do you get accusations from anyone around you that, you know, it's like, because people do, people sometimes treat this as, you know, almost brainwashing, it treats them as, you know, the motivational speakers that it's almost, it's cult status, right? I mean, do, do you get accused of that or is it? Well, is I've, it... well, I've heard people say, yeah, people have said that to me, but, but everything that they say it's it's all about so much. It's all about happiness and joy and goodness in life. There's nothing bad about anything, it's, and it is all about how we how we perceive ourselves, how we look at ourselves. Um, and I think it's getting more and more common. Um, personal development. It is about developing ourselves as who we really want to be, because of society. When we come into a life, you no, know, and for me, there is no blame, you no, know, with parents or anything else, because each generation is evolving differently. And that's how we evolved from our parents. And, you know, and maybe there's part of me too. I wish I had this, although I don't have had it, this information I have now, because my children, if they were younger, would be getting it and they'd have a better outlook on life. But at the same time, what I'm doing, I can see a ripple effect already on some of my children, which is which is good, you know. Um, so I I think personal development is a major thing. I think it should be taught in schools. I think children should, you know, learn they love themselves and not have that bullying. But no, there, there's no call for hateful words, and then one small word can affect somebody's whole life. When it's so, you say it's one word amongst many but at the same time it's that's how that's how serious this game is you know and a game this you know the interactions of who we are and what we are for each other and how we help each other or unfortunately some people aren't helping each other but i mean that that's saying you know hurt people hurt people is that something you agree with is something that you find to be the case i think when somebody gets hurt they feel that they've some people not all people but some people feel that they've they hurt back and then other people hurt or blame people for them getting hurt. Where me, no, because my daughter always, she would say to me, he made me angry and it's me. You made yourself angry. You know, and she just, I'm like, oh, shut up. But I, but I, even the stuff I know now, I would try, I would, I would challenge them because I'm trying to even try to teach them a different way. You know, you know, last night, one of my daughters, she was out and I was babysitting and she came on. All that I don't know why this boy keeps following me and this me, but I don't know why you keep I'm on your phone or keep answering back. And she just nodded her head. <laughs> she was expecting a different answer, but she didn't get it. <laughs> Funny how when we start to look at life differently, you say you change your perspective and, and it does have a ripple effect around you, right? And I was like the thing that you know I remember taking it from yourself was you versus you. And that's 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 what we're about. You know, it, it is about us as a person and what we attract. You no, know, and I didn't realize that I attracted everything into my life. It was I attracted that unknowingly. 
I mean, talk about that attraction, you know, because how we attract things to ourselves and that's perspective. And so a lot of people will get that. There's, you know, there's a background to this law of attraction things, but why, why would we possibly attract negative things towards ourselves? Playing devil's advocate here. Well, I can only go back to um, meeting my first husband. Um, I attracted him because I probably, he seemed me vulnerable. Um, he, he was one of the, the boys in town that everybody was after him. And then me being me, I thought, oh, I've got him. You know, it's something just as simple as that. And then, then when was honed in and you hear all the nice things and then they t- turn in to that different person that you thought that you met, you're in there before you know it. And then you start then believing then it's my fault, it's my fault. And everything he says is right, you know, and my whole mindset was changed about myself. And then I just believed everything he told me about me. You know, and that's that's the impact I had in my life. You know, but I was I was miserable, miserable. It could, uh, does go to show how vulnerable we are. And, and, you know, but it's that perception of, you know, you mentioned about your own, your parents' marriage and their relationship, you know, so we're, we're trying to always get something maybe that we, it's not there, right? Or we, we just want to make sure wanting to believe or not wanting to disbelieve, right? I mean, what would you say, or say to yourself looking back now? I mean, or if it was one of your own kids going through something similar, I mean, you know, is there anything that could be done to help, do you think? Or is it something you have to experience firsthand? Well, I have siblings that I, I see every one of them on me, believe it or not, and different traits. Um, yes, we're, we're very, very close, I have to say. All my girls, four of my girls were very close and very open and they come and talk to me about anything. I will never judge them. I will sit and have a conversation with them. I will never tell them what to do. Um, it's their journey, but I'll be there for them no matter what. But I, I would share some of my experiences and give them some of my tools and just listen and listen, but would never judge them or tell them what to do. They have to come to that conclusion themselves. Is that a key? Do you think, I mean, people have to understand themselves or take on themselves? Is that? Well, when I look back. No matter how many times I was told I didn't, I didn't listen. You know, and I think that is, you know, no matter how many times a person tells you something, and if you're not going to listen, for me in my experience, I think you only get it when you're ready. You really have to want a different life. You you have to, um, you know, and one of my things is we're not put on this earth to to be miserable. We're put on this earth to be happy and enjoy life. But unfortunately, that's not just the way it is for a lot of people. Well, that's and But also, I mean, some people are convinced that, you know, it's it's there. They, they, they're always going to have a difficult life. They're always from a certain area. They're always from, you know, destined for this to happen, karma, whatever, right? They're determined saying, and that, but that's exactly what they're manifesting, right? That's, that's what it's always going to be. But I believe that we... We've all come into this life as lovely children, babies, and what we grow into, um, whether there's no right or wrongs, but if you don't like the person you are, you can change. You know, me being an alcoholic, um, I was able to change that. You can change anything you want. 
in your life and you can be anything that you want to be in your life. It's just having to get the, and it's hard to change, you know, of a lifetime of habits. But the way I tell people now, when I, people say it's very hard to change, I say, no, it's like learning a different language. That's how I narrow it down. It's like learning a new language of how to change and a new life and telling yourself nice things about yourself and believing in yourself and loving yourself. You know, it's changing those thoughts, that thought pattern. That, it is that changing, changing perspective and changing attitude, which is hard, especially when especially people have no reference point or you know, they haven't people you know, strong people like yourself who are willing to speak out. It's, as you said earlier, it's part of it you're not proud of. It's part of it, you know, it brings shame, it brings all sorts, right? But, I mean, that that's caring. Does it bring you more power or is it, do you think it's almost a, a civic duty that you have to do? Um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't even say it brings gives me more power. It, um, I'm, I'm proud of what I've achieved. Um, the things that have happened have happened. I can't take it back. I have um, dealt with my shame and guilt and worthlessness and all that there, but I can't, and the label, it's not me anymore. And I, I don't like labels anyway. Um, I have grown immensely into the woman that I am today. And I don't, I wouldn't, I know they say woman empowerment, but I just think I've been gifted another chance in life and a very, good gift that I've been given. Um, I don't want to I, I don't want to come across as I'm this great powerful woman. Look at me. That's not me. I'm just a, an ordinary woman that's been through a lot of traumas and different experiences in life and has come out the other end. And I just want now to engage with other people that need my help. I love that. That almost that it's something you want to do. It's something you want to share experiences that, you know, actually it brings you know, bring you know assistance to others through your actions, which is powerful, right? You know, it's it's hard for you to maybe share to be present, but not not to be present, but hard for you. You know, it doesn't look good. You know, because people and they're saying, "Well, how will I look?" And it's like, yeah, this is not this is not going to make you look good. That's also not why you're here, right? It's here to give service to somebody else who may not see the reason why they want to share or, or to to you know, to be honest with their feelings. To just and of all the things I was ashamed of, um, I'm not. I'm not ashamed. I'm ashamed in some ways, but um, that was just my life. You know, um, I've nothing to hide anymore. You know, and I don't want to hide. Um, as I say, I'm, I've been as honest as I can, and I am a person of great honesty. I have nothing to hide at all. Um, as I say, I'm very proud. And just to be able to come out the other side and with no, I, I and I have to say, I can't, I can't, I couldn't do it on my own. I couldn't. I didn't do this on my own. I needed other people around me to help me, family support, supportive AA, supportive. Uh, counselors, other women's aid. No, I've been around a lot of communities, and it's through them people have helped me. No, and I do, but I would say you can't do this on your own. It poses it, it like it's like a fire. It takes it takes multiple elements to happen, right? You know, you have to have the will to want to. You have to, you know, have the support and the background of the opportunities around you 
you know, as small or as big as they may be, right, to actually be able to tell me about it. And then you need that trigger, that event to actually catalyze it and happen. And, and that's a pity too, you know, we, we, with counselors and stuff like that there, there's only a certain amount of weeks you get because for me, this journey that I have, it's a life, it's going to be a lifetime journey. I'll always be learning and always, you know, wanting that growth and wanting to um, evolve in different ways that I can evolve. You know, for me, this this is my is my journey in life now. For you, I mean, for anyone that maybe recognizes some of the symptoms or some of the things you've talked about, I mean, what what's what's a useful step or a useful thing they can ask themselves or an action that they can take to actually start bringing change into their lives? Start with find out what alignment of change they need of an organization or a trusted friend, um, somebody that they communicate on the same level for change. And even if they have to look, you notes, know, maybe podcasts or things like that, you know, um, but to, to get some kind of organization, I would say, you no. Know, for, for women, even maybe go to a woman's group, woman's center, men, men's things, they have that same alignment of what, or research what you're looking for, you know, and get that niche, what you need first. And then, and sometimes it might take a few times before you get the right one, because I found that I had to go through different um, elements and organizations to find what really connected with me. And you know, some people give up after the first hurdle and say, well, that wasn't for me. I'm not doing that. But if you really want change, you'll keep going to find the right people, places and things, as they say. The old expression, you got to, sometimes to find your prince, you got to kiss a couple of frogs, you know. <laughs> True. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, definitely. You know, people was, it was, it was quick solutions or, you know, it was, it was quick input. But yet then when it comes to the hard work and saying, yeah. It's going to be, it's not even hard work, but it's consistent work, which feels like hard work because it's maybe against what we're normally used to doing, against resistance or against you know, our normal day-to-day -day activity or against what people, who we are, right? Being for the last while, even though it's a, it's a false persona of who we actually are. But somebody was saying, I only heard this recently, that somebody said that being in that same place of lack or unhappiness just takes the same amount of energy that it would if you wanted to change in that life of happiness, which I thought was a great, great sentiment because I, I think that's true. What values or what, you know, what sort of rules or you know, what sort of commandments do you hold to yourself now? What would be your value set for start? Well, faith would be one of them, major. Gratitude. Be grateful for what you have, not what you don't have. Um, Respect, really uh, respect yourself, honor yourself and love yourself. Just believe that you are worthy of anything in life. Do you really truly believe in yourself? Because when we look outside of ourselves, we're not going to get the answer. And for you, what would be your non-negotiables? What's non-negotiables? I always ask you that. <laughs> non-negotiables, like people will say they'll not accept lives maybe aren't you know with integrity or people in their lives that maybe don't mean well for them or things that where we are not willing to 
we're not willing to bend or to accept something less than what we should do. Well, I don't, if nobody's going to respect me, I won't go there. Um, if respect would be a big one for me. I just won't be around people. It's not going to be enhance my life or no, even people feel that they're going to put me down. Um, I'll, I'll walk away. No, if I'm in a situation, as I say, with alcohol and I just don't like the atmosphere, environment, I'll take myself away from it. I, I know my boundaries. No, I will take myself away from things that don't, are not good for me. Or, um, and there's another quote that, um, that Gabber Maddy says about triggers. No, which was the trigger is uh, gone. So who's got the ammunition? Ammunition, they call it yourself. So you have the ammunition. They follow that trigger or stop it, and that's where change can happen. Yeah, it's so true. That's like because people don't often get that. You can only really experience inside yourself. That line I always find it incredibly powerful. That, but like you were saying with your daughter, it's like nobody can do anything to you as such. You know, it's like you put yourself based upon what they've said or how they've reacted or whatever. You've decided that that's a bad thing. You've decided that's a good thing, right? And split second of an eye or whatever. So it's, it's, it's understanding that, taking responsibility for that. It's actually, I, I'm responsible for how I turn up. I'm responsible for how I act or react to the person, right? Mm-hmm, definitely. And we're responsible for everything that we do. And that's the big thing that I had to learn. You know, I take full responsibility of everything I've done in my life. You know, I can't blame. I won't blame today. I could blame years ago, but I don't blame. You know, um, it's part of my life. And and I did the best I could in any given situation and was able to come where I'm at today. So that's a lot of learning. and consistency and just not giving up on yourself no don't ever give up on yourself because the true potentials within us each and every one of us for you then i mean if if you were to try and describe your fire in your belly in one or two words patricia what would you be passion and drive purpose <laughs> what does the future hold for you i mean what what do you see is out there for you well as i say i've only started this i have a two-day event coming up at the end of the month and um pursuing this woman of substance now i would my i want to become a transformation speaker um global <laughs> and i want to would love to either have my own online academy or an, my own academy in the town. I want to have an academy for personal development, for what has been the mastery of you. That's what I'd love to have. That's my vision. Yeah. It is done. It is done. Mm-hmm. You ever say you see yourself writing a book? You see yourself? Yeah. Uh, well, I'm writing a book with. Uh, five other girls with them and a couple of other girls. We're writing a book this year of how we met up. Um, it's called Finding Your Feather. And I think it'll be launched in September. 
I've always, yes, I will write my own book. Um, I've, I've even, the, it's called The Prisoner on the Outside. That's the title. I haven't wrote it yet, but that's the title. And I have the cover already visioned in my head, the way it looks. Yes, I will write it. I will be writing a book. I'm actually going to the event now on Wednesday about um, authors and writing books. So on air Wednesday. So I'll get plenty of um, advice and but knowledge and learnings for myself to start. Yeah, definitely. I love your passion and enthusiasm to keep learning, keep trying, keep training, keep learning, keep turning up. Yeah. I, I love learning and even uh, people. I just love learning about people. You know, and as I say, how the mind works and how we react and behave and and our lives can change. So, so, and I think that's maybe the purpose I want to give out, that we can change our lives for the better rather than have all this hostility. And although we're all going to, we're always going to have it. I can't, we can't, um, but it'd be nice to have a world of peace and love and joy all the time and happiness. Yeah, but I'll give it my best shot. <laughs> Tell us where can people find out more about you, Patricia? Can they what sort of go to social media? Take it we can find out more there and learn more about you. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Instagram and Facebook, and I'm just down as Patricia Breslin, thirteen. So uh, why thirteen? I, I I don't know. Well, because my house is thirteen, and they always say sometimes. That's unlucky for some, but for me, I always say it's lucky. So that's 13. <laughs> Is there a special message you'd like to leave our listeners today? What you'd like to take like to them to take away? Yeah. Don't ever be afraid of change and truly love yourselves because you have everybody has a gift and a great potential within them. So let yourself shine. Trisha, thank you so much for sharing. I appreciate you coming along. It's been really, it's amazing to see the journey you've been on and, and where you're going to as well, right? You know, thank um, you so much, Pete. It was great for having me and I really loved it. And, and there's a lot of people, so well done. Keep going. Whatever you do, that's the main thing. Just keep going. There's no stopping me now. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's the way it should be. Trisha, right. thank you. appreciate it. Thank you, Pete. Thank you. Well, that was another great episode of Fire in the Belly. You know, this really wouldn't be possible without a great guest taking the time to share their personal journeys. And boy, boy, sometimes it is personal. It's an absolute pleasure to have that and then to hear the journeys that people have been on. We've loads more episodes coming up soon and it's always a pleasure to have guests on. If you do happen to know anyone with true fire in their belly, please reach out to us so we can share their journey, lessons and successes. So, all that's left to say is have a great day, live with fire in your belly, and be the mightiest version of you. 